All right, how's it going today, Scott? Doing well, doing well. I'm excited for this one. I've watched this guest take over a little bit on LinkedIn and caught her story. And we looked at Brooklyn doing some business together, but I think she's got an amazing story. I saw she won a recent award and, and I'm excited for this one. Yeah, definitely a rising star. We're looking forward to chatting with her here in a second. And how are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing great. I'm also looking forward to this discussion. Madison, Conrad and I grew up in Massachusetts, so I'm interested to see how you liked your time in Boston. But before we get to that, I'll mention a couple things. I'll give our, our quick sports update, and then we'll go on to maybe tying the storyline together a little bit. So big week from a sports perspective. We had two banquets for awards, and lacrosse, we got most improved player. And then on the soccer side, we got MVP. So it was a big week for the kids in sports. It was exciting to have both of those and finish out pretty strong. But as far as this episode goes, this is going to be along the lines of where we think the evolution in the industry is happening. And we've touched on this in a number of different ways. But for today's episode, it's going to be centered around some amenities as well as experiences, trying to determine what is the direction of the industry and how are these experiences going to come together. And really interesting getting Madison's feedback as to how she sees the industry, where we think these experiences are going to come together, and then what's the most effective way for managers to actually execute on experiences because that's been a gap in this industry for a very long time. So looking forward to hear Madison's perspective and how she's filling that gap. Right on. Thank you for sure. And welcome Madison to the show. We really appreciate you hopping on. So we have a question we always get started with. Obviously people give the people your background and stuff like that. But before you get there, would you also give us a song that best describes you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Really putting me on the spot with this one. A song that best describes me. I'd say we are the champions by Queen. Perfect. <laughs> It predates her by 20 years at least, but that's a good choice for sure. <laughs> I'm an old soul when it comes to music, Conrad. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's a great addition to our Spotify list. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, thank you, Madison. We appreciate it. And uh, give maybe the overview, if you will, about yourself and Mount and how you got here today and the company and what you do for vacation rental managers. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Hello, all the listeners. I am Maddie Rifkin. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Mount. We are on a mission to change the way you travel, really enabling you to travel with just a backpack and rent everything you need in destination from you, the property managers, the locals, the hosts, from bikes to scooters, to golf carts, to clothes, to even offering amazing experiences. So you don't just offer a place to stay, you offer the complete experience. Why this is so crazy is I started my journey when I was 12 years old. So I've been a founder for about 12, 13 years now. And with one company, Mount, we did not start as a travel company though. We started as a bike lock company and I started by solving my own problem of leaving my bike lock everywhere as a 12 year old, but needing to bike everywhere. And it pissed my mom off to no end. So she took my bike and I was like, no, I'll just weld the lock on there. So that's how it all started. And Mount was called Mount Locks. And then when I got to college officially started Mount Locks and we went from a bike lock company to a scooter lock company all the way to where we are now, which is changing the way we travel. Right on. How did that transition occur from just locking one thing up to maybe you could even give like a quick overview of how the technology actually works? I wonder if people listening to that may think it's just a lock, but it's a lot more than that, having seen the product for sure. Yeah, actually, it's completely evolved. We went from a bike lock to a scooter lock. And then pre-COVID, we're working with Bird and Lime and Uber and Lyft and all the scooter programs that a lot of people have come to hate, which I'm it's a good opinion. Uh, and so... With that, we had learned so much of the way people use scooters in that it was not a commuting tool. It was tourists hopping on scooters to just have a really good fun time. And that was when the light bulb went off where it's like, why are you just leaving these scooters everywhere? You could put them at Airbnb properties, short-term rentals, and just let the guest use it. And so 
that was our first pivot is that we took the bike lock, it was now scooter lock. And then we just started using the whole system scooter plus lock and put them at properties to see if people would use them. And they were using them. It was great. But that was the scariest three months of my life <laughs> because I became a scooter operator and I was like, someone's going to get hurt and I'm going to get sued. And there's the end of my career before it got started. So I was like, how do we not have that happen? And that's when we realized the real problem. And it wasn't that Airbnb hosts and property managers in this ecosystem wanted scooters at all of their properties. It was just that they really needed to offer different revenue streams, better guest experience, more operate like a hotel than, than anything really. And the traveler was expecting it. They're like, I want more. And they're going to ask their host because they look at you as a local. And so it was just this huge disconnect between what the traveler is paying for and wanting and what the host was able to offer. And so that's what Mount is now. We dropped the lock. It's on my shelf. No one else has one. And we're just a software company. So basically what we do is we give you what we call a mini marketplace. And it enables you to add stay enhancements, which are things you can add directly to your property and own and manage. So that could be bikes, it could be scooters, could be golf carts, anything. And then we also work with all of the local vendors in your ecosystem and make them bookable online so you can get affiliate revenue. And we bring all parties together. Yeah. I feel like other people have tried this before. And Adam, I don't know your perspective on this, but I've seen a lot of different people have, I guess, portals for lack of a better term, maybe if that's a fair description of other companies in the space where it's like, hey, you're staying here during this time, go book over here. But it feels like they're not adding much to the experience. What's your thought of, thoughts on that, Adam? How does the how does this thing become something that enhances the stay, not just, oh, let me make a little bit of extra money, which I feel like is how people have approached it before? Uh, that's a great question. And I'm definitely curious to see what Maddie's thought is and how you bring those together. I'm also curious, Maddie, when we bounce it back to you, to get your perspective on scooters and Lime and what that deal is. Where are those headed? I know it's outside of what we're talking about a little bit, but I am curious because you lived in that world so early on and to see it grow and to see where it happens. My And my question there comes as a cautionary tale around startups. Like how does something that take off so quickly end up fading? Where is the future of that? But to answer your question, Conrad, I think that's probably the most crucial part of this entire evolution in the industry right now is how do we tighten up these experiences? And I think it's got to be through partners working together. It's got to be through APIs. It's got to be through a more streamlined process. So it's to your point, it's not just, hey, we work with this partner, go to their website and book something and figure it out. It's got to be something that is just part of that experience. Whatever that experience is from the time they hit book to the time they show up at the door, even throughout that and the post communications afterwards, it's really got to feel like it's all one experience and we've got to make it feel like this is something that they want to be a part of rather than feeling like it's an afterthought or it's this add on to their experience that's not really part of it. It's got to really feel like part of the experience. And I said at the beginning that I really think this has been a gap. This hasn't, to your point, Conrad, other people have tried it. Vacation rental management companies have tried it. You've got plenty of companies who have bikes that they rent and they try to do this type of thing. But I, I don't think that anyone really takes it serious or up to this point has really taken it serious enough to make it feel like it's part of that experience. And I think overall, that's part of where the industry is evolving towards. The house is just a tool to get them onto a vacation or into a, an experience. And I think we as an industry focus a lot on that specific tool. What is the house? How do we make the most of the house? But I think that the next evolution in the industry as we start to broaden our perspective is to really think about the full vacation and that full experience. And Maddie's point is 100% accurate. These guests are coming on this trip with that expectation that you as the local, as the person who understands this industry, have those relationships and have these 
amenities that I'm going to want to use. I don't even know what I want to use when I go on a vacation in Georgia or Tennessee or wherever it is. You guys know you're local. So what will you tell me what I should use? So I'm not sure. I haven't seen it done well. I'll put it that way, Conrad. I don't know of anybody who's really doing it well outside of Maddie, who's on the call. Maddie, I guess I'd bounce that over to you. What do you think, what differentiates you and your perspective from people that might've tried this before? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. From what I've seen people try and do before, and this goes for the whole short-term rental industry as a whole, people are building software tools with their main customer being the property manager or the host. And it's, yes, that's the person paying you, but it's not the person that stays at the property. Your customer should be the guest and that's who you should be building for. And they're not. And I think that's Mount's huge differentiator is that everyone at Mount is a nomadic traveler. And that's actually who we started building for first before we ended up in the short-term rental space. The, re- the origin story of Mount beneath the layers of me starting it as a 12-year-old was me and my co-founder lived in Hawaii for three months came with just duffel bags and tried to figure out where to live. And that's how we built the company. And we were driving around the island in a car that felt like it was about to fall apart, but we wanted to rent kayaks. We wanted to live like a local and do all this other stuff that no one was really providing. And I think that's why no one has been able to do what Mount is doing is because it's such a dispersed network of three parties. Like I look at the parties being travelers, very dispersed because we're individual humans. You have these hosts and these property manager managers, again, very dispersed. There's not really one thing bringing them together and making them the same. And then you have these vendors, people providing experiences. And typically they're either pen and paper providers. You can find them on Viator, maybe TripAdvisor, maybe, but there's nothing bringing these three parties together. So if you're a property manager and you want to offer experiences, you could go to Viator and be like, hey, can I become an affiliate and get the links? But the traveler doesn't want to purchase on Viator. They look at that as a tourist trap. And so it's a disconnect between what the host is able to offer with the tools and what the traveler actually wants. So that's the reason Mount is different is we bring all three parties together and we white label the software. So it looks like you as the host and property manager are offering these experiences because you're a local, they're offered under your brand, and you're only able to offer up to 12. So your guest is getting highly curated, hyper-local experiences from a trusted source. And that's the big difference. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And Scott, I was going to go your direction, <clears throat> I guess on like operational headaches, because I, that's where I always go your direction when we talk about that kind of angle of things. But it seems like operationally, I guess I'll be honest, it'd be easier if you just didn't have to do any of this. It'd be easier if the property was just clean and the guest was happy and they checked in and you said, you figure it out. But what's your perspective on this? Is there value add to be had here? Or is this just marginal revenue that we're chasing? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's huge value add, and I think it's the difference maker, right? I think this is how you start to build the direct. Everyone keeps saying book direct, it, but again, it's more than booking the space direct. It's more than booking that unit direct. It's about going there and having an experience, and then wanting to do that experience plus some again. I, where I started looking at this, and Conrad, we, we keep talking about North Myrtle Beach, but right, you know that we had two two bad weather days. Right. The ability for us to have pivoted and would have been able to connect with something else to say, okay, now what do we do on rainy days? We didn't have that. You, some of this stuff, you want to be able to take people and say, it doesn't matter what's happening. You can plan it in advance or you can look and say, today is not the day I expected. What are we going to do next? And, And what I don't want to do is go to the outlets. Like that is not on my list of things to do. Let's look at the curated list of things to do. But I think. 
it, it is a bit of a pain because the operator side of me would say this and the operator side of me has said this is well, let's put a little distance between me and those things or those activities just in case something goes wrong. So I want to try to give space. But then the other side of it is you look and go, but I also want them to recognize that it's a full package. Like that experience is the actual package we get together. So it belongs together, but it needs to be put together in the way that Maddie's talking about, where it's just this seamless and it's curated, right? It's not 197 things where you're just taking a bunch of stuff and throwing it out there. It's stuff that's been vetted and that's been that's been really validated as the things to do. I think that is the difference maker. Adam keeps saying it's the next evolution. And I very much agree. I guess for my point of view, Maddie, I guess I think about the let me ask it this way. What's a what is a successful user about look like on the property manager side? What are they doing? What are they putting in there? Is it these the kind of things that we talked about, physical real world things that we've talked about before, kayaks and bikes and things like that. Is it the experience or are those objects basically experiences? I guess I'm curious, like who would you model as your one of your more successful property managers and how are they using it? Yeah, we actually have three use cases for Mount. We have, I would bucket them as someone that has one to five properties and really is just focused on making their property the best thing ever. So they're going to go the stay enhancement route because they have the bandwidth to put on four electric bikes, kayaks, paddle boards, and manage it and own it. And like that place becomes more than just a place to stay because it has all these great things attached to it. Then we have your property manager that has 20 to 50 properties, maybe wants to do a combination of both. They have a few properties that would work great with stay enhancements, but they have this whole pulse on the local environment and want to offer these experiences. So you can do both. And then you have someone who's huge, Avant Stay, Front Desk, those type of people that have hundreds of properties and just no bandwidth to do stay enhancements. That's not the core to their business. What is core to their business and roots companies like that have taken is let's employ 15 people as a concierge team and get them to book these experiences. They actually can just use Mount now instead and use just like these vendor experiences to curate. So we work in three ways, but the reason I think Mount is good too, is we've curated over 40,000 vendors at this point globally that you can just work with. We've set up the commissions, we track payments. So you really don't have to do much. You just pull them into your experience provider or your mini marketplace and can go from there. Right on. You said something there where you said like stay experience or what would you say again for the physical products? Oh, sorry. That's just what I call them. I call the stuff that lives on property stay enhancements. Stay and that's actually gotcha. what we tell the traveler too, because yeah. what we've noticed is the traveler is a very just worried and guarded about feeling nickel and dimed. So if you call something like an amenity, they're like, that should be included. Why am I paying for an amenity? But if you call it an add-on, like a stay enhancement, they're like, no, that makes sense. I should be adding that onto my stay and that's going to cost money. So it's just like tweaking we've done with the traveler brain, essentially. <laughs> gotcha. I feel like on LinkedIn the other day, you took maybe umbrage to the word upsell. So what's your perspective on the word upsell or give me your take on upsells? I, I don't did know if totally I totally do that. No, I yeah. totally did post that on LinkedIn. I think it's just, it goes back to what these property management software companies think mm -hmm. of an upsell is, which to them and what they've now trained their property managers to think an upsell is early check-in, late check-out, a mid-stay clean, and now to my dismay, pool heating. And from our perspective, because we are very in tune with travelers, they've learned for the past 30, 50 years, that is included when you stay at a hotel and that should be included when you travel. And you can make a fair amount of money off of it because travelers, if 
you know, they can't get it, they are going to pay for it. But is that really the brand you're trying to put out there where you're becoming this company that nickels and dimes your guests? They're probably not going to come back. If you give it to them for free, they'll pay for other things that you're offering. So I think it just goes to how you frame everything. I did get a new perspective on pool heating from that LinkedIn post in that it does have a very sustainable sustainability aspect to it, which I never considered. And I'm like, oh, I'm a fan of that now where it's like, why would you keep your pool heated year round if your guest isn't using it? Because it's one, it's a money suck, but two, it's just not good for the environment. I think if you can frame it that way, then your guest understands that that actually is a stay enhancement. Like it's, I'm not going to keep it heated for the environment. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't that know. could be used. That's yeah. a different discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, the best stuff on LinkedIn to do is poke the bear a little bit. Could I see you? Could I see you on that? But Adam, <laughs> your frame on this, you've been inside vacation rental companies before you've obviously dealt with them, things like that. More, I would say the things that you've been involved with have been more operational in the past, Reesway and Lock. Certainly those wouldn't be upsell. Oh yeah. We'll charge you to use a keyless lock or something. But what's your thoughts on this? Is there an angle of how do we draw the line between we're just trying to figure out ways to drive a little bit of marginal value. I guess when I think of that, I think of the Las Vegas resorts, hotels where you book, and then somehow you get there and there's like a $50 a day resort fee that wasn't disclosed anywhere. I'm sure it was in the fine print somewhere. I feel like that's a pretty egregious example of kind of taking advantage of a situation. And then how do you tie it in with things like pool heating maybe, which are things that maybe should be optional because we don't want to waste resources. How do we define upsell versus an enhancement as Maddie was saying I think it comes down to the categories that Maddie was just sharing as well. I think that for, I think it's all about marginal revenue, right? So I think that in any one of those categories, and Maddie gave us three really, right? So five, five and below, let's say five to 25 or 30 and then 30 and above. And I think that everyone is chasing some marginal revenue because at least from the property management side, the commission, you can't keep your doors open with the commission, right? A 20% commission is not going to allow you to run a company effectively and be able to have the teams that you need to really execute on a high level that we all know that we need to execute on the property management side. So on, on some part of that discussion, there has to be how can we get additional revenue streams? And there's a number of them, whether it's fees to the homeowners and guests or add-ons or upsells, as we're talking about. And I think that each one of those categories that, that Maddie talked about can think about that additional revenue in different ways. And the smaller ones, to Maddie's point, they can have these stay enhancements because they've only got five, 10 properties, whatever it is. And they can go buy those properties and they can make sure that the e-bikes are cleaned and set up correctly and parked in the right places. And the paddle boards are where they're supposed to be. At a larger scale, that becomes very difficult to do. So you don't have the same type of add-on opportunities at those different levels. So you do have to start thinking about things a little bit differently. On the smaller ones, you could probably flex a little bit because you only got five turnovers that day. So you might be able to offer that late checkout or early check-in because you can flex your team a little bit to do that. Again, on the larger side, you don't have that opportunity because you're planning, you got 300 properties, you know that you can only do 30 early check-ins. They had to have paid for that three months before that, or else there's no way that you're getting your team ready to go out there and actually do those early check-ins. So I do think there's an operational component as well as a revenue component to some of these discussions, but I don't disagree with anything that Maddie's saying as far as upsells. And from a hospitality perspective, I think there's a different way as an industry that we need to start to think about what these are. And early check-in, late check-out, those are ones that you could argue maybe you don't necessarily need to charge for those. Pool heat, I think I land in the same place that Maddie landed. I think that 
it's way too expensive to run it all the time. And it's just not good sense from an environmental perspective to go out there and waste the resources that you would need to run it all the time. So I do think there are some that yes, we should probably ask the guests to pay for, but we should probably explain it differently. And maybe that's part of that hospitality mindset is the way that we frame things. We need to frame them in a way so that the guest understands why it is that we're doing the things that we're doing. But at the end of the day, I think going back to Maddie's perspective on stay enhancements and experiences, I think that guests are definitely going to be more willing to pay for those type of add-ons and upsells because it it truly is enhancing their experience on the vacation. That early check-in, late checkout isn't doing that much to enhance that week-long vacation, but you get those e-bikes that your kids can run up and down the road on every day, or you get that vacation experience where your whole family goes out and does something that they haven't done before. Now we're talking about building memories, and I think that's where we've got to start thinking about from a hospitality perspective, from an industry perspective. We are trying to build memories. We have a very important job in in this relationship with the guests and homeowners. One, we're taking care of a very large asset that's very expensive. But two, on the guest side, we're taking care of a very important life moment. First time at the beach, baby at the beach, last time a grandparent. These are very important memories. And we need to start thinking about them from a hospitality perspective and how we can enhance their stay to make sure that they get the most out of their stay. When we do that, I'm very confident that the guests will pay for those enhancements. They want great experiences. They're more than happy to pay for great experiences. We have not set up this industry to provide those great experiences, which I think leads me to a question back to you, Maddie, is, and you said this at the beginning, and I would say that a corollary to this would be Airbnb. I think Airbnb has done a fantastic job of making the guest experience really good when they go to book that property. And I'd argue that's probably why they're as successful as they have been in the last 10 to 15 years. And you mentioned that's how you guys think about it too. So Maddie, going back to you, what is that guest experience like when they're using, or is it an app? How do they understand what the enhancements are, what the value is, and then how do they ultimately book those? Very good question. So the way I like to describe it, and that's why it's actually called a mini marketplace is because if you go on the Mount website right now, you will not see the publicized 40,000 experiences any of the people we've pulled into the marketplace because we're not becoming a trip advisor. We're not becoming a Viator. So what we do is we work with you, Adam, for example, we would white label this mini marketplace. So it has your brand on it. You get a little blurb that has your voice where it's like, Hey, I've curated these experiences because I'm a local in this area. I've lived here for however long, whatever you want to say to really build that trust with that guest. And then it lays out the 12 experiences you want to pull in four experiences, however many, And it has a bookable, you just click book and it takes them to a calendar, takes them to who the vendor is, more information about the experience. And it's all facilitated in one page. And so it has a unique URL. So it could be whatever your property management company name is, dot experiences or slash experiences. And then we really encourage you to enable or embed that on your direct book website. So you actually have an experience tab now in your guest communication, all of that stuff. How about at the property when you mention those stay enhancements, if they're going to get a, an e-bike or something like that? Is that something, how does that revenue loop happen? Uh, so for the stay enhancements, they live on the property, but they present themselves in the same format. So you would get the mini marketplace would say, hey, I offer e-bikes. Your guests would go in there and click book, and then they would put in their dates of stay. And that's how the price is calculated. So then they purchase it. And then the receipt actually sends, it sends them an emailed receipt with the instructions on 
how to use the e-bike, where to go with it, the unlock combination if you decide to lock it up, all of that stuff. Are you and you're not using the mount locks to lock it up? <laughs> We're not. The mount lock was so fun and it was like retracting six foot cable. It was IOT compatible, but we didn't going to tooling and trying to create a whole product. I now know why people don't start hardware companies. It's for that reason. <laughs> uh, look, so I'll echo that. I was at Point Central when we were starting out and I would advise against hardware companies if you can avoid it. Hardware is very difficult to produce and then maintain it and on top of and actually make it useful in another five years because it's going to go obsolete very quickly. Now I can understand why you moved away from the hardware side of things. So what Scott was making a point, he was on vacation, there was some bad weather, and maybe there's a chance for a vacation to pivot a little bit and go do something else. So if a guest is in the middle of the stay, is there still opportunity to do experiences or get some of those stay enhancements? Oh, yeah. I mean, for the, the vendor experiences, like in our data, they get booked day of, day before the most, because people just really are not good at planning. <laughs> or they just get there and they're like, oh, what should we do? And so this page gives them the perfect place to do that. Honestly, it's up to how much inventory these vendors have, how popular they are. So if you are a last minute person and you try and go book, it might be booked, but that's the case with everything. For the stay enhancements, because they live on property, you could add those day of, day before when you arrive, we just enabled you to be able to do it right upon the booking of your property so that you can see revenue sooner, but bookable up all throughout the vacation. Perfect. Right on. Maybe we can turn the page slightly then, Madison, to what's next for Mount. So you guys have the product that you're building. I think you said before it's a startup, so I'm sure you guys are building new features all the time and new people coming on board. Is there any kind of sneak peek or anything that you can share with us what you see the next step as like for the rest of 23 or as you guys head into 2024? Yeah, so Mount is really leaning into this three-sided marketplace and really bringing every vendor that offers this amazing hyper-local experience together with these hosts and property managers, as well as the traveler ecosystem. I don't think there's a company that's aggregated all three sides, and that's really what Mount is becoming. So we have our 40,000 experiences and growing, over 230,000 travelers in our ecosystem and growing as well, and then bringing in as many property managers and hosts as possible to just get these hyper-localized experiences out. So leaning into that, we have a few huge partnerships in the works with companies outside of the short-term rental space that just wanted access to what we're aggregating, big travel and tourism companies. So those are exciting. I can't announce them yet, but on the horizon and hopefully we'll see a raise in our future, just like Marcus at Hostaway nabbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a casual, what, 175 or 165 million or something like that? Just yeah. a casual. <laughs> just a bit, very casual, yeah. Right on. Yeah, what else, Scott? Anything else we want to layer in from the operations side? Or does this give a good overview into kind of this, A lot of, again, a lot of people say experience, and then I find that's such a squishy idea. I, I read this chat today because I think we, we quantified it a little bit. We made it a little bit more tangible. Okay, here's specific things that you could do that would actually get you there. But your thought from the operation end of things. Yeah, same page, Conrad. I think this really takes it and makes it achievable, right? The, the way it's being packaged by some other vendors now is partial. And where Matty just said it's right, it's a three-sided experience. That's where it needs to go all the way. I've used a competitor, had a great experience, but but it wasn't this full experience that, that Maddie and the Mount team are putting together. So I think she's spot on. I think she's awesome to follow and to watch. Now I've reset my plan, right? I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So now I'm like, all right, listen, by the time they're 12, they can be founding their own company and helping out around the house. So I'm excited for that yeah. part as well. But yeah, so super, super encouraging. I think she's awesome in everything that she's doing. And again, 
this is the front side of things. Adam is very good at pointing out the front side of the next thing coming. And Adam has been on this experience thing for a while. And I think Maddie is very trusted and the right person to be out on the front side because travelers are skewing younger. It's time they're coming up. And, and I think she's just an excellent representation of the future. Yeah, right on. I've got a couple more then, if we've got Go for more it. Time. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So yeah. first of all, I want to ask a couple of clarifying questions, Maddie, about what you just mentioned there with the three-sided. And then I'm curious about some of the startup side of things in VC, because I think that this is an interesting time in the industry to start thinking about some of those things. So first, let me go back to the three-sided piece that you mentioned there. And you mentioned, one, you've got these 40,000 experiences. And then two, you also mentioned all the guests. So I'll ask two questions. I'll let you answer both. So first on the 40,000, is that in every market? So if you opened one on the Outer Banks, which is where I live, do you already have those experiences curated? Or is that a situation where you wait for the partner and then you go out and you form these relationships? Because there is a push and pull with that. I get it on your side because you don't want to have all these partnerships and negotiate them and not have someone using it. But on the other side, you've got people who are ready to start using a product and then you've got to wait because you got to build those experiences. And then the other one, and this is, I think, a sensitive one in this industry. You mentioned the 230,000 guests that you have within your ecosystem. Is that something that you guys are marketing to or do you view guests as data that is the property managers and you guys just have them in your ecosystem or how do you think about the guest side? So experience relationship and then the guest relationship. Yeah, very good question. So the 40,000 are, and it's a number that's constantly growing and it's, they, they're new vendors signing up in markets we don't have hosts yet and vice versa. We've had some property managers and hosts come to us where we do not have vendor density yet, but we know they have a Rolodex of vendors. So they just send us them and we can sign them up within a few minutes. Like we've made that process pretty seamless. And that's why that number has grown so quickly. That's just in the last few months. From the traveler perspective, our database of travelers is actually not guests. Um, we do have that data and because they're purchasing things, we have it, but our travelers are actually people who have not gone to these properties yet. And that's actually why if you follow me on LinkedIn, why I was in Puerto Rico is because that was a conference specific to travel influencers, women travel influencers. We get them to work with Mount so that they can disseminate all of the marketplace angles we've created. And it's what allows us to grow that flywheel. So we work with travelers who can learn about Mount, show up at the properties because you're working with Mount. We actually intend to drive you customers and then get them in the ecosystem because they want to rent. They want to have this great experience. We're tackling it from the top up, not bottom up. <laughs> oh, no, I, I love that and, and fantastic marketing, right? So I love the fact that you're looking at that from a marketing perspective and trying to get people to travel. And I'm sure on the property management side, they'd love the concept that you might actually push some guests to your users. So that's fantastic. So let me pivot just a little bit and I'll go towards more of the funding side and the startup discussion. So one, I saw you went to Northeastern. So I'm curious about how you like being in Boston. But more importantly, I saw that you were at an accelerator in Boston. That's also what helped you get moving. So what's your thought on this investment in funding and VC side of things within this vacation rental space? It feels as if something is shifting and it's shifting across a number of different areas, right? The economy is obviously shifting a little bit and slowing down, which in turn has an impact on the vacation rental space. But at the same time, you had this COVID boom, which you've got a lot of people that numbers were a little bit offset. The rates went up, you've got more people staying, and then all of that starting to back down, which again, could tie back to the economy. But I would imagine that's got to impact 
where investors are looking and where startups are trying to think about how the funding world is going to work in the next few years. So what's your perspective of startups and funding in the industry today? Ooh, really good question. Yeah. So for context, I did go to Northeastern. I went there because my college counselor told me not to go because you become a CEO. And I was like, hi, that's exactly what I want to become. Best decision I ever made because I think Northeastern just breeds entrepreneurs. And it's a fantastic and stuff. school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we hire co-ops now. So I think it's fantastic. So that was really helpful. And they actually introduced me to a startup accelerator called Mass Challenge that I got involved with while I was in Boston. And then a more formalized accelerator in Hawaii. That's why I was there that hostfully went through, Turno went through. So we followed in all their footsteps. But the funding landscape is quite interesting because when Mount got into this industry, we thought we were doing this whole shared economy thing. We still are. And that's why the VCs backed us is they look at us as being a billion dollar company in the next few years, like the next Airbnb essentially. So that's why we were able to raise funding. But now the funding landscape has changed so much because I think this short-term rental industry is, I would say in, an, in its infancy, it's vacation rentals are an old school They've been around forever. That's not really a market of innovation. I think where short-term rentals come in is like Airbnb spurred this innovation and then VRBO and all these other companies. And it's going through consolidation right now. I think stealthily, and we're going to see in the next year, it's pretty loud consolidation. And I think that's why there's so much funding in the space right now is people are trying to consolidate companies. We're going to see a ton of acquisitions. There probably won't be a hundred property management software companies in the next year, year and a half. And it's really interesting because when I was in the micromobility industry, which was Bird and Lime and Uber and Lyft, they went from being an infant market to being gone through consolidation to now being obsolete in two years. That is a huge life cycle for a market that was born out of thin air. And I see similar things happening in this market. It's happening slower. Their consolidation happened in a few months, but I see it happening here too. It's the smaller players are going to get bought up. There's going to be some big players with big capital and I think that's what the VCs and honestly, it's more growth equity than a VC at this point is coming in and really putting their money behind. And when you think about that from the growth equity, because I would agree, I mean, that the number of 175 for Hostways is a huge number. So when you see that, do you get the sense to your point around consolidation? Do you get the sense that's what that growth equity is looking for? They're coming in and giving Hostway that money so they can go out and acquire a bunch of other software companies? I think so. If they're really trying to grow quickly, because- once you hit 10 million ARR, whatever number they were at, yeah. it's not like you're going to go grassroots and go door to door and get property managers and hosts. You're not just going to, that's just not feasible. If you have $175 million, you're going to go to the small guys that are worth five to 10 million, buy them out and get their whole customer and database. Guesty did the same thing. I'm just a little more stealthily. Look, so this is a really interesting discussion because there will be impacts that will be felt on the property management side and on the guest side as a result of this. So I spent a year as VP of sales inside of Inhabit and I can see what happens when the consolidation happens and it's not a clean process, right? So if Hostway has 175 million to go out and to your point, in essence, what they're doing is acquiring clients at that point, right? They're not even necessarily acquiring software. You're saying, hey, what's the fastest way that I can go out and get new clients so I can increase my AAR? So at the end of the day, the question becomes, what do you do with what you just purchased? And that gets really messy in this industry because now the people who are using that service have to determine what the future of that service is. And that's at a number of different levels. It's from a development level, but it's also from a personnel and a support level. So it gets really messy as you go through this consolidation phase. And the examples you gave around the micro mobility is clear. Like that was really messy, but it was hyper fast. We got to see them come up, 
consolidate, go down really quickly. This one's going to take a lot longer because it's a bigger industry. It's more established. There are more players, but it could be just as messy over the course of time. Have you guys thought of that? I would imagine that people are talking with you, thinking about where this could be an add-on. What's your perspective of staying on your own course versus getting involved with an ecosystem where someone's going to acquire you? Oh, wow. Another good one. I have kept Mount apart from the general ecosystem of property management software, guest experience software. Like, I feel like it's so interconnected, the the market, like everyone has partnership agreements. They all pull from each other's APIs and it's so intertwined. Mount doesn't need any of that to run or work. We stand alone and that it was for that main reason and that I didn't want to get tied up into that craziness of, oh my God, if this API fails or they get bought and they no longer run, my company is going to be dead. We're the exact opposite of that. It's funny. I do think there's going to be some acquisition offers just in terms of what we're building because we are the one piece that makes your property management system completely different than everyone else. No one else has cracked the code on what we're doing, especially when it comes to these stay enhancements, bikes, scooters, just being able to offer those insured on your property. But at the same time, I think what we're building goes well beyond the short-term rental industry. And that's what I've told our investors. And like, we started here because in my opinion, it was low hanging fruit. You can get a short-term rental property manager to say yes to what you're doing way faster than you can get a hotel chain to, to say what you're doing or even further extent multifamily. But what Mount is doing is we're changing the traveler's behavior. We're changing their behavior to rent things and not buy, and then also have these great experiences. And that's not gonna stop when you stop staying at a short-term rental and go back to your everyday life. It's gonna continue. And it's gonna continue to build that FOMO of, oh my God, I'm living in a shoebox in New York City. I just used Mount when I was on my vacation. Why can't I use them now in my building to see what else I can rent and have an amazing experience? So. I look at us leapfrogging this industry, leapfrogging Airbnb and being this huge, massive company that's tackling where you live, where you work and where you travel all at the same time. (laughs) I love that vision. Now that's huge. Now, what do you think is the difference from another company that micro mobility, let's just think about e-bikes or something. What's the difference between an e-bike vendor that's on the streets of New York versus what Mount can do? Is it because that you get it tied to specific properties? Yeah, so that's actually one of the first pivots we made coming out of this micromobility industry, the thing that really stopped them, there were two things that stopped them in their tracks. One was they were relying on the government to give them permits, make this allowed. It's actually funny because it's what's stopping the short-term rental industry from growing. Very similar use cases. But that's really what stopped them from growing is they had to go after permits. And if the government decided to give the permit to a different company, they lost that entire market. They couldn't operate there. So one of my premises when I got out of the micromobility industry was like, I don't want to be beholden to the government whatsoever. If we put these vehicles on private property, no one can tell us that we can't do this. And so that's how we first got there. And then the second thing, or yeah, the second thing that stopped them in their tracks was that these scooter companies had to buy all the assets. So they needed so much upfront capital to grow and scale. That's why they needed so much venture capital. And I was like, we're not doing that. We're not owning anything. People already own this stuff. We don't need to. So that was the other main thinking there. <laughs> I mean, those are two huge learnings from that experience with micro-mobility. So kudos to you for seeing that and all the pivots that you've made. And A, starting so young. To Scott's point, I'm a little disappointed in my kids at this point because they're not making me millions of dollars yet. Uh, But I love what you're doing. I love your vision and I love your energy. We need more of this in the industry. We need more people thinking about full experiences and, and how we streamline this. 
And 100%, we need to put the guests first. The homeowners are a very important side for a property manager to make sure that they're protecting their asset and making the most of their asset. But at the end of the day, we've got to make these guests feel like they've had the best vacation experience that they possibly could have. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Madison, what we could do on our side, we'll put in the show notes of this episode a link to the rentmount.com website. We'll put your social stuff in there. People can follow you, see what's going on. Any parting thoughts or anything else you want to slide in here before we put a bow on this one? I don't think so. Definitely follow me on LinkedIn because I drop some gems now and then, but (laughs) (laughs) you're putting the pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I really am. Gotta start clicking no, post more often. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No, we really appreciate you coming on. I think it was a great great line of questioning and getting your thoughts on it. Obviously, this was about Mount a little bit and you Madison a little bit, but ultimately the industry, which is what we're trying to do here on the show. So thanks so much. If you've appreciated this episode, you might like other ones. So definitely go back and listen to other ones in our feed. And please do leave us a review. You can leave it in your podcast app of choice. Click five stars and that makes us happy. We get a smile out of that. So we appreciate it and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks.